Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. From Coolidge, Arizona, on December the 19th, 2013, the book of Revelation. We're in uh, episode number... Uh, 32, and in part 2, we're in lesson number 7, which is chapter 5. We've been looking at chapter 4 up until now. uh, In part 2, we come to chapter 5, and we begin with verse 1. We look and see what it was that John saw. Uh, inside of what he has seen in chapter 4. Now we're going to get some details that are not there in chapter 4. We see, first of all, what John saw in 5.1, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And it's interesting that the verbiage here is suggesting to me that the one who sat on the throne had a hand, and whatever it is that is in the right hand is in the right hand, so it isn't all-encompassing, and it certainly isn't more powerful than the one holding it. I want you to think about that. He is in his right hand. Of course, we know that symbolic language. Um, <clears throat> God is spirit, is not flesh, is not bones. So he would not have a literal hand. But that's what John is seeing, and that's what he's telling us. And in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, he has a book. You mean just a book? I've had people say that about the Bible. You mean you, that's what you think about is something that's in a book? Well, we have to think about God and his books. Because what God has revealed to man, he's put in a book. We call that the Bible. What he is seeing here in this book is those things that were began by Daniel And we probably ought to go back to Daniel chapter 12 and refresh our memories on that. Um, Because now, where Daniel was told to seal them up until the end of time, now, look what happened. In this chapter, they're looking for somebody to open the seals. So what does that tell you? End of time. All right, let's go to Daniel. Chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. We've been here before. 
don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it, but we need to bring it into focus again. Mainly because a lot of the folks uh, who may be listening in uh, periodically don't have a lot of background in the Old Testament. I think that's a curse to the church. And we're going to spend most of our time tonight in the Old Testament, but these seven verses are important to where we are. Now at that time, Michael, verse 1, chapter 12, Daniel. Now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people. So he's speaking about whom? Um, Well, he stands guard over whom? I didn't ask the question very right. What was that, Lana? People. God's people. And they were, who were those people of God? Israelites. All right. Uh, and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And uh, that time, by the way, what language does that plug us into that we've been studying in the New Testament? Isn't that what Mark 13 says? You know, let's refresh our memory. Let's go back to Mark 13. <clears throat> Here's what it says. For in those days will be a time of tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of creation which God created until now and never will. Isn't that the same kind of language? There will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. This is chapter 12, verse 1 of Daniel. Same as Mark chapter 13 said. Same language. Um, never never been anything like this to any nation. And it's going to occur to the people of God. And only those who are found written in the book will be rescued. And some of that will be discussed in chapter 7 of Matthew. But we need to wait till we get there. Many of those, verse 2, in, will sleep, uh, who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. Uh, at what event? Well, at the, at, at the event of chapter 1, uh, I mean 12, verse 1. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but the other to disgrace and everlasting contempt. He is speaking here about the judgment of what people? The Jews. The Jews. Keep that in mind. That's what that phrase always refers to in the New Testament. The end of the Judistic age. Verse 3. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. Those, and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So there's a positive side. There's a bright side to this. But Daniel in verse 4 conceal these words. Now, what is John told, or what does he see, and what is the request in Revelation 5 is that these words that have been concealed now be exposed and made available for people to see. See how it ties into Revelation? You see that, Alex? That's right. Particularly when, you know, it, it is the end of time here, but in the New Testament, it's the end of the age. 
Not physical time itself. That's right. Not the end of that time, but the but the end of the time for those people. Yep. Big, big, good point. So as you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of until the end of time. At that point, of course, it would do no good if we waited till the end of time. As to the end of time, as we think of it today. This is talking about the end of the time at which he's referring to here in verses 1 through 4. Many will go forth, back and forth, and knowledge will increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others were standing, one on this bank of the river and the other on that bank of the river. And one said to the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long will it be until until the end of these wonders? That's now he's going to define what he means by the end of time. And you're going to have to plug into verse 7. I heard the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river as he raised his right hand and his left toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times and half a time. And as soon as they finish shattering the what? The power of whom? Of the holy people. All these events will be completed. Oh, really? All right. That is what the book of Revelation is the commentary of. Because it brings us to the fruition of Matthew, Mark, and Luke and their prophecies about the end of Judaism, about the end of the nation of Israel as a covenant people, which is what is prophesied by Daniel chapter 12. And so that's going to represent the end of time for them when their power of these covenant people is shattered All of these things of which he has talked about are going to have been completed. Same thing as Mark 13 says. Same thing as Matthew 24 says. Same thing as Luke 21 says. All referring to the same people and about the same event. All describing what was going to take place at the end of that age from the New Testament. At the end of time as far as the Jews were concerned in prophecy. Now let's go back to the book of Deuteronomy. I know know we've been through some of these things before. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, when Revelation talks about this book that is sealed up with seven seals, and then we see the opening of these seven seals, we're going to see revealed to us 
the things that Daniel prophesied would take place at the end of their time. And we see it as described in full in Deuteronomy 28, but fulfilled in Revelation with the opening of the seven seals. <clears throat> so it's important to me that we have exposure to the background, then it's up to you to do your own thinking. Verse 14, verse 28. Chapter 28, verse 14. <clears throat> do not turn aside from any of the words which I command you today. To the right or to the left. But after all, a little to the left or a little to, to the right is really no significant deal because one religion is as good as another. All are sincere and all have an idea of ultimately of the same God. Therefore, well, where do we go now? That's how people think. That's how they think today. That's how we think, that we don't have to be right. We can turn left or right from the things that God has said. We can kind of add a little bit or take it away from our own perspective. As long as we're sincere. Oh, well, of course, that's the key. Yeah, that is. Nice now, that, of course, sincerity is wrong. No. no, that's right. As long as one is sincerely wrong, they won't pay the price of their wrongness, right? They're sincere. And that's what happened to Paul. He, he said, you know, I, I always had a good conscience when I was out there killing the Christians. Yeah. That's what he said. He said, I did everything I've done. In persecuting the Christians, I did that all in good conscience. He was very sincere in what he was doing. But he was sincerely wrong. We have to come back to the scriptures. I think that Lana was here the other night when a young man in here was saying, after <laughs> we had a little discussion, I think you overheard him say, kind of wish I would remain, remained a Baptist. Something to that effect. Were you here for that? Yeah. <laughs> it was easier. It wasn't his fault. Yeah. You're a Baptist. Yeah. Well, hey. then he could think and do anything he wanted to because once you're saved, you're always saved, yeah. and, and he wouldn't have to worry about it. And if he wasn't, well, so what? Then that's, there's nothing you can do about it anyhow. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad somebody witnessed that. <laughs> I wasn't sure whether you heard that or not. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> well, <clears throat> but verse 15 is where we want to get into it tonight and on through, and I don't know how far we'll get. Uh, we're, we're not going to spend a lot of time. We're going to kind of cruise it, but just so that we get exposed to some of this background in verse 15, if, if, but it shall come about. It shall come about. 
What's the first law? Do all that you say you're going to do. You do what you say or what you have agreed to do. And we learn from that something about God because of how we want it with one another. We learn about God from the scriptures. The scriptures reinforce that first law as it relates to God. We can count on God doing what he says he will do. So he's very emphatic in verse 15, but it shall come about. No maybes in there. Then there's a big if. If you do not obey the Lord your God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I charge you today, he's talking to the same people and about the same people that Daniel was talking about in Daniel chapter 12, isn't he? To do all of his commandments and his statutes, which I charge with you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. That all these curses, all of these curses, and it will come upon you. Is that emphatic or what? And will overtake, you can't outrun them. The book of Revelation is explaining to us the curses that came and overtook the children of Israel. It is the commentary of Daniel 28, in my opinion. And I want you to see how everything correlates how there's consistency between the prediction of the Old Testament and the fulfillment of those predictions in the New Testament, including the determination of Israel. Now, you see where I'm headed? I'm trying to tell you up front where I'm headed. You know, So you don't have to play games with me, because you may not buy that, and that's fine, but I want you to understand where I'm coming from and why. <clears throat> so all of these curses <clears throat> and revelation, now they're not going to be in the same order necessarily, but it's going to be the fulfillment of these curses are all going to be found in revelation in the opening of the seven seals. So in verse 16, cursed shall you be in the city. And in the country. The geographically, topographically, topographically, what's left out there? Aren't you either in the countryside or in the city? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it pretty comprehensive there? Mm-hmm. Verse 17. And that's number two on the list on your notes. <clears throat> cursed, cursed, shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Now, what would what were what would those refer to? What's a kneading bowl do? That's not where you soak your knee if you got arthritis. For making bread. Yes, for Nick. Yeah. 
yeah. you gather your food and, and you gather uh, and prepare your basket for gathering. And so these are for gathering and for the preparation of what? Food. 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 Is that basic? Now you you're either in the city or in the country. No escape there. Now not only that, but in uh, uh, your basket and your uh, process of preparing that food is cursed. Already you can begin to feel the squeeze, see? And if you eat. And if you eat. <laughs> yeah, that kind of, kind and of you see, Revelation is going to develop those. It's going to talk about the famine. It's going to talk about the wars. You have an idea where I'm headed? Of course, you may not have read Revelation yet, but <clears throat> it talks about famine and all. Okay, so verse 18. So, and the offspring of your body and the produce of your ground. So what about the propagation of the race, of the human race, and the propagation of your groceries, your ground, and the propagation of your herd and the young of your flock, they, they're in this curse too. So what's that deal? How is that going to affect the future? Your, your, your future is in a bad way. And he's telling, he's telling these people that all of these things are going to happen to them if they turn aside from his word. And it doesn't say it may happen. He says it will happen. It shall come about. They will come upon you and overtake you. You can't outrun them. That was number three in your list on your notes. And number four is there too, the the, uh, produce. And the increase of your herd and young. Well, now we got a problem. There's not much left. Summarize it for me. With city or country, where you where you are, you can't escape. What you eat, yeah. There's no future, is there? Verse nineteen, and we get the last two curses. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. Now, it just seems to me like there's not a whole lot left. I don't see any future built into that anywhere at all. Remember then that the opening of the seven seals is giving to us the commentary and the fulfillment of what he predicts here to a people who have turned sour with God. Now, verse verse 20 now, those are the seven curses. I've listed them there. You may argue about the process, but it's just to give you an idea. You know, let's come back, but let's go back to Revelation without taking time to read any of it. 
just the, um, maybe some of, just some of the highlights here. Look at chapter 6. <clears throat> chapter 6, in verses 3 and 4, uh, you have war. And then you have the third seal, um, which is famine. Then you have the fourth seal, which is death. Nobody's been able to survive. Then you have those, the fifth seal of those who were slain because they tried to do the right thing. And then in the sixth seal, all the terror involved. You see, I don't mean point by point by point, but in all of the descriptions that we find there in Revelation are all introduced back here in the curses. And then these people are the people who turned against Christ. And we're going to see that when we come to the New Testament. But I want to finish up some things back here in Deuteronomy first. A blessed. Yeah. So it really means to speak evil of. And you see, what when God speaks, that's when... Is things happen when God talks. And when he curses, it means to speak evil of. And when he is speaking evil, then the product of that evil is, bears fruit. God never speech, speaks without his word having an effect. It does not return to him void. If he blesses, that means he's turning loose his energy. When he curses, that means he's restrained with Attracting his energy. Taking all the life out of it. Oh, yeah. No, he's he's not calling them names here. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. He said, I'm taking away... You know, when I speak evil of something, I'm I'm uh, pulling out of it. I'm I'm uh, um, removing all of its energy, all of its source of life. All yeah, all of its beauty. That's right. Everything that I I made is pulling out because this is everything here. Everything, everything. It's, uh, if I created it, you no longer have it. We're pulling everything out. Yep, he's pulling it all out. Everything. That's quite a curse. Yeah. And the people that this written to, they got that they understood that. Oh yeah. They got. Of course, they didn't remember it. And they were told this early on too, and for some reason it didn't stick. Well, and that's right. They were told between. They were told all of this prior to the dividing of the kingdom between Rehoboam and Jeroboam, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, Israel and Judah. Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom, and Jerusalem, the capital of Judah. Um, you know, and, and but Samaria fell in what 729, um, and um, of course, then they suffered the consequences. And then in 600, why initially, why Babylon was, I mean, uh, Israel was taken, or Judah was taken captive from Jerusalem, brought into Bab- Babylon, and then. Then there was the merging of the residual of the remnant, and of course in Jerusalem, what happened to them after Jesus' time in 70 A.D. Um, 
the nation entirely as a covenant people was the recipient of this curse. All of their life was was withdrawn from them. And we're going to read that in the New Testament in just a minute. You see the summary, though? Yeah, that's kind of a highlight. You know, I feel like I've been over that. I don't want to be overly redundant, but I also know that sometimes it takes several times for this to get clear in people's minds. By that time, I have already forgotten it. It's so much more than just one word. It is. That's right. But the word in the Bible, the words in the Bible are so full. They're just packed full of meaning. You just can never exhaust yourself or exhaust the all of the implications of a word. You know, it just never ends. <clears throat> and we'll find that out. Sunday morning, we're going to, we got three questions on the floor for Sunday morning, and one is uh, brought by uh, uh, Greg on um, the word um, prayer. Actually, that was not the word prayer. It's the word pray, which is a verb. <clears throat> All right. Now, verse 20. Not only is it going to send upon you, verse. Uh, this is uh, Deuteronomy 28, 20. The Lord, the Lord will send upon you curses, and not only curses, but also confuses and rebuke in all you undertake to do. Now, he's already given them the seven curses. But now, upon the curses, we're going to add confusion. Think about it. And rebuke. In all you undertake to do, you're going to be rebuffed in it. Until, until, and we're just going to stick with you until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly because you have been naughty. Because on account of the purposelessness, the word evil, of your deeds, because you have forsaken me. See, this class isn't just about revelation. People love revelation because they don't see that it requires anything of them. We like to be focused on things that are outside of our control, but, you know, in revelation we're going to discover that we're forced right back into the responsibility that we as individuals have. And then then the study becomes a little bit tedious and boring to folks. People love to study things. Tuesday night, we we have those kind of things come up. And it's just amazing the fascination that people have with things that don't require anything of them. I really like that. Oh, yeah. You really get excited. So you had to kind of have... You know, and it's important because it's in part of the revelation. But there are things we have to get straight. And as we go through revelation, we're going to see that instead of it removing individual responsibility, it's going to enhance it. And you can see what's going on here. Because you have forsaken me, 
It means that people have to stay true or there will be consequences. And we know then that God will do what he says he will do because we have the history of the fall of Jerusalem, which is the ultimate fulfillment of this context. We understand that God will do what he says he will do. And so when it says, uh, is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment, we know that's the way it's going to be. The Lord, verse 21, the Lord will make the pestilence cling to you, cling to you. Oh, have you ever been to anything that just clung to you that you're going to get rid of? Have you ever, of course, you haven't probably swam in the Columbia River, but you have a tendency in the Columbia River, out in the deep water, you get these eels, lamprey. They're about that long. They look like snakes. They come up and they fasten onto you like a big suction cup. And they 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 catch they get on some of the bigger fish, and you'll see them just swimming along, and they eventually just suck the life right out of that fish. They'll get on you. We put a sheet of card a sheet of plywood, four by eight sheet of plywood on the side of the boat in their season of of uh, spawning, because we use them for sturgeon bait, which we can't do any longer. But we put them down, put a sheet of plywood down alongside the boat, you know, so that was with the current, and pretty soon we'd have all those, the, the lamprey, we call them eels, but they're really lamprey. They come up, you know, most of them are about that long, I suppose, and they'd come along, and pretty soon, in a half an hour or so, you pull that piece of plywood out, and it's just covered with lamprey. you got enough bait for a year, you know. They won't let you do that anymore. That's illegal. But <clears throat> so here you've got pestilence clinging to you. You go out swimming in the Columbia River, you want to make sure that you've got some kind of a, you know, if you get into that kind of the water uh, where um, uh, they, um, you know, don't come and fasten themselves on you because they will, just like they do a fish. <clears throat> yeah, you know. It's no big deal if you get one or two, but if you get too many, they could pull you down. Um, and what about ticks? You ever had ticks cling to you? I don't know. Do they have ticks down here? But we have a lot of ticks up in our country, and you go out in the brush and you come home at night, and you you know you get ten, twelve ticks off of your belt line. That's where they kind of like to get, and. Uh, <clears throat> But they cling to you. So the pessimists will cling to you, and they'll cling to you until he has consumed you from the land where you are entering to possess it. Now now we're getting uh, his warning to them and about what he has promised to them. The Lord will smite you with with consumption and with fever and with inflammation and with fiery heat and with the sword and with blight and with mildew, and they will pursue you until you perish. How's that for a picture? Oh, man, I don't know. We haven't got time, because there's other things I want to do here tonight. But um, Notice verse 23. The heaven which over your head shall be bronze. Literally? See, we're getting... We're getting symbolic language 
woven right into this context. The heaven which is over your head shall be bronze, and the earth which is under you iron. The Lord will make, verse 24, will make the rain of your land powder and dust. From heaven it will come down on you until you are destroyed. He will cause you, in verse 25, to be defeated before your enemies. You will go out one way against them, but you shall will flee seven ways before them. And you will be an example of terror to all the kingdoms of the earth. And they were to be an example of to the earth of godliness. But they become an example of terror. That's a part of the curse. He is explaining what's involved in these seven curses. Now this is, the, this is the commentary, just like Revelation is the commentary to what uh, I'm suggesting that he's giving us here. Verse 26, your carcasses will be food to all the birds of the sky and to the beasts of the earth, and there will be no one to frighten them away. Verse 27, the Lord will smite you with boils. with tumors, the scab, and with the itch. And it will be those things that cannot be healed. And he will smite. But that's not the end of it. He will smite you with Traxler. And that will be and result in the bewilderment of heart. No, madness and blindness and with bewilderment of heart. You will grope at noon as the blind man gropes in darkness. You will not prosper in your ways, but you shall only be oppressed and robbed continually with nobody by to help you. Talks about marriage. Talks about your animals in verse 31. Uh, talk about your children in verse 32. Um, and on down through the line, the produce that you produce. Remember, he's just giving us here an expansion of the commentary of the seven curses brought about in the first part of the chapter. Now slip down to verse 49. The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar, from the end of the earth, as the eagle swoops down. And, of course, we have that verse, that verse used in Matthew 23. How is it used? The eagle, uh, and the, it's the same word as the word vultures. Uh, in Matthew, uses the word vulture. But uh, swooping down, and um, so anyway, I'd like, I was going to read all of it, but we can't. We haven't got time. Let's, um, what, what, about the, what about this, this word that's Oh, in this case, yeah. though, we have uh, we have a specific yeah. nation, and that's Babylon. Mm-hmm. So here is it is, is a specific, and we know that because the initial fulfillment of that is found in Daniel. But now Daniel see, takes the same thing and extends it to the end of their nation as a nation of God's covenant. See how that works? 
verse 61 of that text. Um, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy uh, 28, verse 61. And every, every sickness, <clears throat> every sickness and every plague which are not written in the book of this law. So everything outside, even beyond everything that we've mentioned and itemized for you, the Lord will bring upon you until you are destroyed. Everything imaginable, things that you've never heard of before, things that are not written about. Now what's left out? There is just nothing left out. Now we, we realize he's giving this to them as a broad as a, a, a broad warning. He he has given to them, if they are faithful, the things that they will be blessed in. But let's go over to the New Testament. Uh we've got just time to maybe touch on this and we don't have to complete this. It'll be obvious. I think it's in Matthew twenty three. I don't think I put that down there. <clears throat> Um, <clears throat> look at verse 14. There are, there are thought of here as being seven or eight woes, depending on how you break them down. But now Jesus is exposing those people who have put themselves into the chair of Moses, that's verse 2, and all that they do, and now he gives to them their woe. Now the woes, again, (coughs) to them, are going to be found as a part of the commentary of Revelation on what Jesus is talking about as he's giving to them an idea of what Deuteronomy is talking about. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, in verse 13, hypocrites. And um, those are not complimentary terms. You shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. That is, you shut off the flow of truth. For you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Verse 14. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayer. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. He's talking about these people who have perverted the very ideals of God, who did not remain faithful to God and loyal to Him, just like Daniel talked about. Verse 16, oh, verse 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and on land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Now he see, he's focusing in on the leadership of Israel. Verse 16. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, Whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. Verse 17. 
you fools and blind men, which is, uh, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold? Verse 23. Um, actually, uh, yeah, let's step down to verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you don't balance things out. Do what you ought to be doing, but don't forget the weightier provisions of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You lost your sense of balance. Verse 24, your blind guides who stray out a gnat and swallow a camel. Verse 25, this is the fifth woe, as I haven't listed Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the pattern. Now he's talking about hypocrisy. Self-indulgence. Now he's getting to the root of what brought about Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 27 and 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you are like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside. You're really sharp looking. But inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. You appear outward. And a lot of these are combined, uh, some of these verses. um, Outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Verses 29 through 39, and we're not going to read all of those because our time is up. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you build... You have an adoration of the past, but you forget the purpose of the past. You forget the honor of the past. You just bring it up because people have tied into it, but it has no meaning, no merit to you, really. Now, there is no doubt that, like Moses, Christ is speaking directly to the Jewish nation. So in verse 37, I think we have that narrowed down, Matthew 23:37, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He is saying in verse 30, 36 that all of these things will come upon this generation. All the measure of the guilt of their fathers in verse 32 of that chapter. Now in verse 37, it is obvious There is no doubt that Christ is speaking directly to the Jewish nation. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate, meaning God is no longer there. For I say to you, from now on, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name or the character of the Lord. And then in chapter 24, verse 2, And he said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. I don't believe there can be a doubt. 
but what as Moses was speaking directly to the Jewish nation, Christ is speaking directly there to the Jewish nation. And we, we suggest to you that in Revelation chapter 5, beginning with chapter 5, that the, and, and particularly with chapter 6, with the opening of the six seals, seven seals, that we're, we're seeing the fulfillment of those prophecies carried out against the Jewish nation. Our time is up. Any questions, comments? Anybody see the correlation that I'm making, whether or not you agree with it? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for a good evening. We pray that uh, the words of truth will roll around in our heads so that we can get a look at them and verify them and then make a decision as to what we will do with them and how we will pursue them. May we not be like Israel and become the recipient of your anger. May we be true to what is right, and when we go awry, we come into your forgiveness. May we have a fruitful week, a week of opportunity to say something about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.